Hey, good morning. You know, usually Lucas gives me some flowery introduction, but, you know, this is my second time here, so I guess that's all over now. So, yeah. And uh, did Lucas write that second song we sang? I think he did, didn't he? I think he wrote that second song, the one about idols and stuff like that. Thanks a lot, Lucas. No, I don't mean it that way. I mean, he just convicted me down to my toes with that song. And now I've got to look at my idols again, and you probably do too. But yeah, thanks for inviting me. I'm glad I got to come. Uh, Ryan's out at a conference, as you know, with a bunch of other vineyard pastors in Phoenix, Arizona. And so pray for him. Pray for that gathering. It should be really good for the tribe of the vineyard. I, I think it'll be great. So make sure you pray for those guys. And today, in our series, um, Stop for the One is the title of the series, we're going to look at people who are incarcerated. All right, incarceration obviously technically means to be in the state of confinement in jail or, or, or a prison. In fact, our country has the highest percentage of jailed people in the world. Did you know that? Every 100,000 people, there are 639 people in jail in U.S. America. Also, in Matthew 25, Jesus said it is the sheep, you know, the sheep and the goats passage, Matthew 25, the sheep are the good guys. Jesus says it's the sheep that are going to go visit those people who are incarcerated in jail or prison. Now, there are, as you well know, many other ways to be incarcerated than to be in jail. Tons of ways human beings can be incarcerated. It's important that it is to visit those in jail and prison. Today, we're going to look at three other ways that people are incarcerated. And we're also going to look at how we, as people who are following Jesus, can spring them from that incarceration. So that's kind of where we're, we're going. Um, let's pray before we get started because we're going to need God's help. Father, thanks a lot for every person here and the things that you're going to do in our individual lives as we've invited you. Thank you for people who are here that are just checking you out, Lord. I pray that you draw them just a little bit closer today. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, the strangest of the three incarcerations that I'm going to talk about today is people who are incarcerated in the four walls of the church. I'll let that sink in for a moment. Because if the church is in bondage, how are we going to help anybody else get out of this incarceration deal? So if we're confined within the four walls of the church, if we're imprisoned here, how can we ever be out there doing what we're supposed to do? What's the cure to that? Stop going to church. Giggle, giggle. Start being the church. Stop going to church, really, and start being the church. That's how to, John Wimber used to tell a story about when he first started going to church. He was a new convert. He was really excited. And um, he, he went up to the pastor after being at church several weekends. And he said, I just love, 
I just love the stories about Jesus, you know, how he cast out demons and healed the sick and even raised the dead and he fed the poor. I'm just so, you know, enamored with that stuff. He said, when do we start doing this stuff? And the pastor said, what stuff? And he said, you know, the stuff Jesus did. And the pastor said, oh, we don't, we don't do this stuff. We talk about it, we analyze it, we try to understand it better, but we really don't do this stuff. How disappointing that was for John. So let me just say this. When the good things that we enjoy in here, you know what I mean by in here? Just pretend that you do. Yeah. So, so when we let the things we enjoy doing in here replace the stuff we're called to do out there, then that's a certificate of death. What is the stuff that John Wimber was talking about to his pastor that day? There's a text in Luke 4 that pretty much says it. And I want to read this a little differently. Would you put the text up right now, please? Uh, we're going to read this a little differently. The Spirit of the Lord is upon, we're going to say us. We're going to read this together. Are you with me here? We're not going to say me. This is Jesus' job description, but we're supposed to continue the ministry of Jesus. Did you, did you hear what I said? This is Jesus' job description. He said, I came to do this. And now we're the body of Jesus, the, uh, the body of Christ. And so uh, let's, let's do this together. This is going to be real. You guys are going to be really good at this, I know. Remember, us instead of me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us because he has anointed us to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. How did that feel? In short, if we follow Jesus, we're charged to continue his ministry. You know you're incarcerated in church. How do you know? When you start to complain about the color of the carpet. When you say the preacher's sermon was too long or too short. When you start, I almost said a bad word that started with a B. It's, it's for complaining. When we start doing that and say the worship music was too loud, I didn't like that song. When we're preoccupied with whining and complaining, you know you're bored and you know that life is ebbing away from what we do in here. That's how you know. When you get that critical thing going on, you know, like, eh, that guest speaker, that Barry, ah, I don't think so. What's Ryan thinking? You know, it's when we start to lose life in here. Life is ebbing away when we're bored and complaining like that. It's like the old example of the Dead Sea in Israel, which many of you have heard. You know, Israel has this body of water where nothing lives is receiving all kinds of tributaries and water's going into it all the time. It just doesn't have any outlet. And it, it's all dead. It's all dead. But if you're giving life away, what we do in here comes alive. You know, when Israel decoupled this good practice of fasting, anybody fast in here? Five of you, okay. <clears throat> When Israel decoupled this really good practice of fasting from what they were supposed to do out there, this prophet Isaiah, 
he really called them out for it. I want to read what he said to them. He said, is this not the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, and to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. It sounds like springing the incarcerated to me. You see, what Israel had done is they'd let religious fasting take the place of what they were supposed to be doing out there. And the prophet called him out for it. Fasting, worship, preaching, they're good. But they can become dead apart from giving it away out there. Have I made that point enough? I just want to let, let that sink in because it's so important. And Jesus picked up the same thing, uh, the same theme, I should say. And he picked it up when his religious enemies were criticizing him for being too much out there and with the wrong sort of people. Now, I love Eugene Peterson's version of how Jesus replied to that criticism, and that's the one you're going to see right here. Jesus said, who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? Go figure out what this scripture means. I'm after mercy, not religion. I'm here to invite outsiders. Here's the, here's the one that really pricks your soul. Not coddle insiders. I'm here to reach outsiders, not coddle insiders. Jesus wants the walls of this building to be broken down. He wants us to be the church out there, not just in here. He wants us to stop going to church, start being the church. That's what Jesus wants. Jesus wants to break the church out. When you hear yourself saying, you know, I need the meat of the word. That, that pastor's sermons are just too shallow. I need the meat of the word. Think again. The meat is in the street. One of my favorite sayings is the church has left the building. I love that because you are the church, not this nice building. I'm glad you have it. It's wonderful. I was around when they built it. That's not the church, and you know that. You know that. And as I mentioned before, when we let God's love flow out, what we do in here actually comes alive. Let me tell you a story of a time I was in Eastern Europe, and this was, you know, 20 years ago or so, and um, we were there on satellite teams, and we got to go all up and down where the Iron Curtain had been and now had been lifted. And for the first time in 80 years, people we were speaking to got to hear this good news that we talk about every weekend in here. And they heard it, and they responded to it. And we saw all kinds of things happen in our little satellite meetings that we held along the eastern part there. And we saw demons cast out. We saw healing. We saw people come to Jesus. We saw all kinds of things, just like reading the New Testament. These people, for the first time in 80 years, were hearing the good news that we take for granted. It was so lovely. And then we came back together. And we came back together and had a meeting like this. There were about 80 of us in the meeting, and we started to worship. I've never had worship like that in my life before. We were telling stories about what God did out there, in here, and it just set off this gush, river of praise in worship. It brought to life what we were doing in here. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? What we do in here comes alive if we're giving it away out there. If we're not giving it away out there, 
it becomes religion in here. So, all that said, should I just stop now? <laughs> no, you've got to endure a little more. All that said, I want to cover these other two forms of incarceration that I talked about earlier. I said we were going to cover three, and there's probably dozens. We're going to cover three. Here's the first thing that we can do for people, and maybe one of the most important things we can do for people to help them be sprung from incarceration, and then that is to help them be set free from, from sin. I, I know, uh, sin's kind of one of those words, and if you're new to church, it might sound a little archaic or quaint, old-fashioned. It, 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 the word has been trivialized in our culture. You can have sinfully delicious chocolate cake now in our culture. So it's kind of lost its edge, this word sin. Let me redefine it for you. Sin is destructive thinking and behavior, and God hates it because it kills people he loves. That's what sin does. It's destructive thinking and behavior, and it kills people that God loves. That's why Jesus, on the cross, came and gave his life and absorbed the sin of everybody who would ever trust him. And he let them go free so they could carry the message to somebody else. That's how we spring people who are incarcerated by sin, who have never heard the name of Jesus before, or who have and haven't understood it. Now, I'm not saying that people in here don't struggle with sin. I won't ask for a show of hands. You know, like I was talking about my idolatry just earlier. I'm struggling with some things. And we can help each other in here struggle. We can help each other by confessing our sins to one another, confiding in one another, praying for one another. But I'm not talking about that today. I'm talking about helping people out there who are struggling with sin. And how do we do that? Jesus gave us everything we need to do it. And um, let me read how Jesus did that from John 20. Jesus said to them, again, peace be with you. If the Father has sent me, even so, I'm sending you. Did you get that part? Even so, I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Sounds kind of presumptuous, doesn't it? Yeah. I think I'll just withhold forgiveness from you. It's not presumptuous. It's something Jesus did. How do we do that responsibility? How do we make that happen? Well, it's right there in the text. Jesus has given us a message after earning everything people need on the cross and then rising from the dead, he gave us that message to tell other people and then he breathed on us and said, here's my spirit, I'm gonna give you the empowering presence of God to pull this off. You can do this. Some of you, I, I can see just by the, those of you crossing your arms over your chest right now, you're saying, nope, not gonna be a preacher. Not going to do that. I don't do windows. Yeah, I'll feed the poor and I'll do all. I'm not going to do that. We're all called to do this. I'm not asking you to be preachers. God forbid. We don't need more preachers. We need the church to be the church and stop going to church. That's what we really need. And so I'm not saying you should be a preacher out there. 
But I am saying Jesus has given us all we need to give the message to other people. You say, well, how does that work? Well, you don't have to be a preacher, but you have to do something that St. Francis said. He once said, uh, we must always preach the gospel and sometimes even use words. So, how do you preach the gospel? Remember this, love your neighbor as yourself. That's how the conversation starts. Because then they're going to ask why. Then you get to use your words. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's a conversation starter in our culture. As you do that, they're going to ask you why. They're going to want to know about your life. And then you can use your words. And you already have the message. You say, what are my words? I don't know. Was a presentation? What should I do? No. You just say, this is how Jesus... This is how Jesus saved me from my sin. This was my life before Jesus. This is my life now. Everybody out here has a story. Now, some of your stories go for decades before it dawned on you that you were a follower of Jesus. Some of you have, wow. I can tell you the day, the time, everything about it. All you have to do when you use your words is tell your story. Tell somebody else what Jesus did for you. Love your neighbor, tell somebody else what Jesus did for you. Tell them when they ask why. I live next door to a guy named John, and um, I tried to love my neighbor. I tried to get to know him and stuff, but, you know, it, it just didn't seem to work out. I was the pastor here at the vineyard at the time. I, I did invite John several times, he and his wife, and they never, never came. I needed to have an opportunity to love my neighbor, and here's how God set it up. We were getting our back deck stained and the guy that was staining the deck, he stained it with this spray thing, you know. And it was a windy day. John's brand new truck, truck was parked in the next driveway. Yeah, stain got all over the truck. John noticed it, and he told me. I hadn't been aware that the guy was using the spray thing. And I, but it totally added up to me. It made total sense. And he was pointing out these little stain, brown stains on his brand new truck. And I said, that had to be my guy, John. I said, here's what we'll do. And I called the insurance company. The insurance company responded immediately. We got his truck painted. John was a happy camper. Um, I had a chance to love my neighbor and not try to deny that, you know, oh, it was our fault. I think, can you prove that? I didn't say that. John did come to church about a month later. Then I got to use the words of the good news from right up here. And I baptized he and his wife about a month later than that. Love your neighbor. Pretty soon they'll ask you why. Love your neighbor as yourself. And you'll start a conversation. It might take longer than it did with John, but here's the second specific way I'll mention to join Jesus in springing folks who are incarcerated. And it's the issue of drug and alcohol addiction. That's bondage, isn't it? It's one that every family in this room has probably been touched by. In fact, let's just do an informal survey. If you know somebody or somebody in your family or a friend that's been debilitated by drugs or alcohol, raise your hand. Look around you, folks. This is massive. This is a huge incarceration. Drugs and alcohol addiction. It's one near and dear to my heart because some of you know that I'm involved with Reset Ministries, and 
what we do is we try to help people fight through drug and alcohol addiction and to reset their lives. That's why we're called Reset. Let me, let me read the mission statement of Reset. We are in business to transform broken and lost individuals into servant leaders as they discover their identity and purpose in Christ. Did you see anything about addiction there? Not in this statement. Why? Because addiction is a spiritual issue. And until you know who you are in Christ, you're not equipped to battle it. See, everybody in this room is broken. Maybe not an addict, but we're broken. And the answer is always Jesus. AA has discovered this with their higher power. We at Reset say the higher power is Jesus. We're Jesus from front to back at Reset. Because addiction is a spiritual problem. It's not something therapy can help. Not most of the time. You know, your church is already involved with Reset. Ryan has a huge heart for addicted people. And I'm so thankful for that. Some of you know that. But some may be here today or just new to this church that don't know anything about Reset. Well, Reset is a live-in recovery center for people who are addicted, struggling with addiction. And we have two houses in Newport right now, and a third house is coming online. That's the Columbia Street house that we're trying to furnish and refurbish right now so we can take in more. This particular house is gonna be a women's house, and on the weekends, the women are gonna be able to bring their small children in uh, this is that, that's because this house is so large. So we, have, we will have three by the end of the year, and that's what we do. People have a nine to 18 month program with us, and it's Christ centered, and it's not sober living. It's very structured because that's what people who are addicted need. They need that structure, this particular part in the time in their life, and maybe for their entire lives. In keeping with the theme of stopping for the one, I'd like to show you a testimony of a guy uh, who was recently promoted. We used to say graduate. We used to say graduated from reset. You never graduate. It's like saying, uh, now I, I'm sinless. You never graduate. And so he's recently promoted. Now he's an alumni. And here's his story. Take a look. From being fun and being social to being a problem that I realized I had no control over. Just somewhere along the line, it just flipped, and that was the only thing that I could focus on. Literally, when they say alcohol calling the shots, it was running my life. I knew I was an alcoholic, but for a while, I really questioned it because I grew up in, in an awesome household. I never had any trauma. I never had any family issues. Um, I never really got in trouble. I was a three-sport, all-state athlete. Like, what could go wrong? Why am I an alcoholic? But it just goes to show how cunning, baffling, and powerful the disease is. It doesn't discriminate. It's the most helpless, hopeless feeling. My last recollections of the last month that I was in complete addiction, it was almost like there was a dark shadow over me. 
and it's terrifying because it's the only thing you can think about. All I could focus on was whether or not I had enough alcohol to last me through the day. And then the most stressful part was probably the, the game I would play of hitting up different liquor stores or going to different places so the clerks didn't think we had a problem. And uh, when you're in that level of addiction, and you're that helpless, you know that there's no way to get better I keep doing this, but that's the only thing you want to do. And at that point, I don't even think it's something I wanted to do. I knew it was something that I had to do or else I was going to keep being sick. And it was just a nonstop circle and it was it was exhausting. And I'll be honest, there were there were nights where I would I'd have to call friends because I was I was thinking about I was thinking about getting a gun out from under my bed and blowing my brains out because that's the only thing you can think about. You know there's nothing you can do. It, it was to the point where I was praying to God not to kill me, but I was just praying not to wake up because I didn't want to start the cycle over again. And, uh, I don't know exactly what led to that night on January 12th, but I snapped and it was at that point that we knew that all these attempts weren't really helping out. Uh, went to the doctor the next day and she looked me straight in the face and said, Alex, if you don't stop, you're gonna die. And it was, I was beat. I was like, you know, I, I, these times that I thought about killing myself, I, I couldn't do it. But I knew that if I kept going down this path, I wouldn't have to worry about that because it was gonna happen eventually. Before that night, I was just going through the steps just to make other people happy and whatnot. The first step was I had to, had to detox medically. So I went to a place up in Westchester, Ohio. And from there, my doctors basically said, we won't see you again unless you complete some sort of long-term treatment. And I found uh, the most amazing place. Uh, I said, Alex, we think we want to send you to a Hotel California by the Sea. And I was like, woo, going to the ocean. And they were like, in blue ash. And I was like, oh man. But uh, I heard the expression that we're all playing checkers and God's playing chess. He already had reset in my path before I even, even knew what Reset Ministries was. And my thought on server living was a bunch of guys crammed into a house and it just didn't sound like fun. I didn't even know what this place was, but it was already in my path. God just like, he, he's still doing things that I don't even realize yet. I do feel guilty still sometimes. Um, my family was, all they wanted from me was the best. And uh, all they ever did was just try to show support and love. But for the longest time, I didn't accept it. I was still alive in active addiction. I mean, there's no way. I didn't think I had a future. I didn't want a future because I didn't want to keep going down that path. But uh, God's turned that light back on in my eyes. Everything is, is great. I mean, there's a future, and I'm just glad that he's able to be a part of my life. Just functioning again and being part of society, it's been fun to kind of reintegrate back in there. And I've got a list of things I want to do sober to get to experience and actually remember what it's like to do it. I struggled for a while with admitting that I was an alcoholic. I was, I was embarrassed by it, I was afraid by it. But now I realize it's, it's part of who I am. And uh, I had somebody ask me, Alex, if you could 
you could take a pill and get rid of your addiction and go back to drinking as a normal human being, would you do it? And I thought about it and came to the conclusion that no, I wouldn't because I wouldn't have this relationship with God that I have if I wasn't an alcoholic. So for as much pain and darkness that I went through, that's, that's nothing compared to, to what I see now being with God and, and being in the life that I'm in right now. So it, it might seem dark and it might not seem like the best time, but you can get through it. So Alex is one of the success stories, but the territory that we're dealing with here is that there's an average of seven to 13 relapses in most addicts' lives. So we have to continue to be the church for them. Reset is a way to do that. Now, did you enjoy Alex's video? Was it good? Okay. How would you like to meet him personally? Right, come on, come on up. Man, they're acting like you're a hero or something, you know? Okay, you guys can be seated. Um, I asked Alex to answer this question. I asked him to um, say, what would your message be to those who are struggling with addiction right now themselves or have folks in their lives, families, relatives, friends, who are struggling with addiction right now? what would your message be? And I gave him two minutes, so if he goes over, I'll cut him right off. <laughs> Maybe three. Well, first... Got to turn it off. <laughs> Is this working? There. Yeah. Well, first I want to say that I'm going to love my neighbor and tell you what Jesus did for me. <laughs> That's listen. good. Yeah, listen. Uh, I'll just, I'll keep it pretty simple because the video said a lot, but... The, the first thing that I would just want to get across is whether it's you or it's somebody you love or it's somebody you know, don't be afraid to ask for help. It's a, it's a scary thing. It's a, it's a thing that... Lights are weird, aren't they? Oh, I mean, is it the mic? I think. I don't know. Just Maybe put it up I'm... to your, close to your mouth. Is that better? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, don't be afraid to ask for help. It's a scary thing. It's, uh, it's something that a lot of people don't want to talk about. And it's a thing that. It's okay. Just keep going, man. It's a thing that uh, that I've realized that people they hear about and they just kind of shy away from it, or you know they think their neighbors in addiction and they you know no one wants to talk about it. But if you or someone you love is affected, you don't be afraid to ask for help. That's the first step. Uh, the second would be don't judge or criticize anybody that is in addiction. Whether it's active addiction or it's a lifetime thing, if it, like I'm always going to be an alcoholic, but you know I'm in recovery, and you know I don't want people to judge me and hold that, you know that, that stigma over your head because it, the disease doesn't discriminate. So don't judge or criticize people. Just be there and love them, and and that's that's probably one of the most important things. I think the third 
and probably for me the most important is if you are affected, don't believe that where you are and that, like I said in the video, that dark cloud, don't believe that that's your fate. Hmm. Um, I hear, you know, the, the enemy wants to keep you so distracted in that darkness and wants to keep you so bogged down by that, that you believe you'll never be able to see the light. But, you know, what Reset's done for me is, you know, it, it allowed me to let Jesus come into my life and bring that light back into my life. So if you are affected, you know, it can get better. You just have to give it a shot. That's all I got. That's enough. Thanks. I love that guy. So some of the ways that people are getting involved at Reset, in case you're wondering how you might be stopping for the one through helping people who are incarcerated by addiction, is we need construction people we need people to make food for the residents. We need people to donate clothes and other things for the residents. We need mentors and coaches. We need Bible study teachers. You know, with three houses now, our, our sort of volunteer base has to, has to get enlarged. And let me also hasten to say this. If you think this sounds like a commercial for Reset, you're right. <laughs> but there are many, many, many dozens and dozens of other ways to reach the one. The main thing to keep in mind is to stop coming to church and start. Yeah, that's the main message I want to bring to you today, and I think it's the main message for the one. Now, we're going to pray for each other as we always do here, um, and so I'm going to invite the prayer teams to come up right now, um, please. And the worship team's going to play a little music. Here's a couple of things I think are going on uh, that I want to invite you uh, to pray f uh, uh, with uh, prayer teams about. Are you the only one? No. Okay. All right. All right. So, so I, think, I think God wants to empower people by his spirit because if you didn't hear me say anything else, you heard me say, stop coming to church. And start being the church. But you're a little timid about that. You've never done it really before. And you want that presence of God to help you with that. And so when I'm done talking, we're going to invite those of you who are in that space to come this way. And let the prayer teams pray for empowering for you to stop going to church and start being the church. Okay? And God will comply. He is really good about that. He wants to do gifting. He wants to fill you with power. He wants to fill you with compassion. Stuff like that, you know, really important stuff. Um, if you are bound up by some sin, remember I said one of the incarcerations was sin? If you're bound up by some sin, I want you to come and give prayer. I don't want you to tell them what the sin is. Does that make sense? You don't know these people that well. <laughs> and that's an intimate thing to do. Just say, yeah, that's me. Like Lucas was saying during worship, yeah, be willing to say, that's me. And we want to pray that God will begin to do the freedom process with you. It may happen right now. It may happen over time, but God wants to begin that process uh, with you. Uh, maybe you struggle with addiction. I got a, uh, something from the Lord uh, this morning is that there, there will be maybe here today uh, grandma, Grandpa or grandparents 
who are now raising two little girls because their parents are both unavailable. If that's you, or if you have any version of that, we want you to come this way and we, we're going to believe God is going to strengthen you to do that very difficult job of helping until mom and dad are available. All right? Also, we love to pray for healing here. If you need healing, we're going to invite you to come this way also. One final thing, and I'm out of here. And that is, Alex is going to be in the lobby. You may be more comfortable uh, in talking to Alex out in the lobby than you would be coming up here. And that's why I asked him to hang around. So he's going to be out there hanging around, drinking coffee or something like that. He's too tall to miss. So, so you can catch him there. So uh, Lucas is going to play a little music as we pray for each other. But before that, let's, let's pray together, okay? Jesus, for those who are hesitating on, should I go up there, should I not go up there, I pray that you'd give them a holy nudge right now. And I ask that you draw them into what you want them to do today. And for the rest of us, Lord, I pray that you'd really help us stop coming to church so that we can start being the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.